This episode is made possible by Partisan. You guys have heard of Vox, right? It's that liberal-leaning news website with a yellow theme known for their explanatory journalism. You've probably seen them on YouTube with their explainer videos or maybe on Netflix with their series called Explained. Well, in this episode, we're going to talk about the media company that owns Vox along with other known publications such as Eater, The Verge, and Curb. Because these brands, along with a couple others, are all housed under one roof, Vox Media. We're going to learn about how big Vox Media is, the brands they own, and what they did to grow so quickly. And it all started with a sports blog. In 2003, Tyler Blazinski founded a sports blog called The Athletics Nation. It was solely dedicated to the Major League Baseball team, the Oakland Athletics. It gained traction because unlike other sports blogs, the approach of this blog was from a fan's perspective. It was more passionate and more genuine. And so it probably made him think, what if we did this for other teams too? And so in 2005, Plazinski teamed up with Jerome Armstrong and Marcos Molitsas to launch SB Nation. SB Nation gained popularity because of its focus on community engagement, kinda like how Reddit is presently nurturing niche communities. And these communities were led by established bloggers who were fans of specific teams, and whose fans were encouraged to leave comments. SB Nation unsurprisingly grew, and it grew big. It now has over 300 blogs focused on sports teams in both college and professional levels. Now that the founders had some traction in the media publication game, having gained a foothold in sports, they now wanted to replicate their success creating content around technology. In 2011, Joshua Tupolsky, then editor-in-chief of Engadget, another prominent tech website, left Engadget along with his team to start a new gadget review site. This site became what we know now as The Verge. The Verge does a lot of product reviews around the latest gadgets and started out attracting over 4 million unique visitors, which may seem big but was a far cry compared to Engadget's 14 million. But in the making of this episode, The Verge has now eclipsed Engadget with an Alexa rank of 627 versus Engadget's 1049. With the launch of The Verge, Sports Blog Inc., which is the parent company of SB Nation, rebranded as Vox Media. Now, I'm not sure why they called it Vox Media or why they named their news website Vox, but Vox does mean voice or vocals, so maybe that has something to do with it since they're in the media. Vox Media ended 2011 with two brands in SB Nation and The Verge. But they started adding more sites in the pipeline because you don't just restructure the company and go through rounds of funding for nothing, and they did just that. In 2011, with the rise of mobile and social network game categories, growing out from The Verge, Vox Media launched their video game-focused website called Polygon. Polygon's goal was to compete with top gaming websites such as GameStop and IGN, aiming to, and I quote, redefine games journalism. Polygon is still up and running today with over 30 million visitors every month on their website and with a YouTube channel with over 1 million subscribers and over 350 million views. But even in 2020, IGN and GameSpot seem to still be ahead of Polygon in terms of website visits, in terms of video views on YouTube, and even in terms of Twitter followers. But hey, let's see how it all plays out since the two big players had a head start. Vox Media made a big move in 2013 when they acquired the Curb Network for around 20 to 30 million dollars. The Curb Network is the company that owns Curb, their flagship brand, which is the blog that covers real estate, architecture, and interior design content. The deal also brought in Rack, 
which covers style and design, and Eater, the food and dining publication. But then why did Vox acquire them? Well, that's because the brands under Curb Network were in huge mainstream consumer categories, food and dining in Eater, home and real estate in Curb, and fashion and retail in Wrapped. If Vox Media was to become a big player in digital media, they needed to have a presence in these categories. Especially since these categories is where the attention is for the coveted rich young adults millennial audience. In 2014, Vox Media launched their own news website, Vox.com, a liberal-leaning news website. It was founded by Ezra Klein, Matt Iglesias, and Melissa Bell. Ezra Klein wanted to solve an itch he's had with current news websites, especially when it comes to politics journalism. In an interview with Orange Coast, Klein said, We started Vox so we could write about not just what happened, but all the stuff you need to know to understand what happened. Summed up, Vox exists to make news understandable. Vox was here to give people context regarding the news of the day. He said that most of the time, if you haven't been following the news regularly, it'll be hard for you to grasp how this specific headline plays a role in the overall story. It's kinda like when you miss a couple episodes of a TV series and you find yourself out of the loop. Klein shared that it's frustrating how difficult it is to find an online summary of let's say for example, the healthcare bill. If you can't understand what the healthcare bill is, how will you know that it is what's right for you or if it's bad for you? Vox's editorial mission is to deliver that online summary, and they're doing this by way of what's called as explanatory journalism. You see this a lot on their website, where they have these yellow card stacks that function like mini Wikipedia pages, which allows the reader to quickly get a background as to what this or that means. They do the same on YouTube, where you can find their explainer videos. These videos really do make things much more understandable, with content grouped into series such as Vox Atlas, Glad You asked and missing chapter, covering topics around current affairs, timelines of certain events, and just interesting facts. The YouTube channel has over 8 million subscribers and a little under 2 billion views. And Vox also has a Netflix series called Explained, where they explore topics in depth. Vox also has 14 podcasts, and this is just part of Vox Media's 200 active podcast shows, with an audience that has since grown 100% year over year. So yeah, Vox's reach is quite significant. In 2014, the site had over 8.2 million unique visitors, but in 2019, it's estimated to be over 33 million. A year after launching Vox, Vox Media acquired Recode, a tech news website. Recode was particularly special because it was led by two highly respected tech journalists, Walt Mossberg and Kara Swisher. A big reason why Vox Media acquired Recode was because of their expertise in events. Most of Recode's revenue was generated from Code, an A-list technology conference. And so adding the team from Recode would allow Vox Media to bring their expertise to Vox Media's other platforms such as Curbed and The Verge. The deal was said to be around 15 to 20 million dollars, which is actually not a bad price from Vox Media's standpoint, considering that the number is only around one to two times the projected revenue of the website, whereas most media acquisitions are calculated at around four to eight times their revenue. In 2019, Vox Media made another major acquisition when they picked up New York Media. 
New York Media owns New York Magazine, which is not to be confused with the New Yorker, the New York Times, or the New York Post. Aside from New York Magazine, New York Media also owns The Cut, Grub Street, Intelligencer, The Strategist, and Vulture. All these sites are well-known brands with quite a following. And the acquisition actually feels like a great move, considering how both media groups complement each other. Here's how. Vox Media has a sports website in SB Nation, and New York Media didn't have sports. Good match. Vox Media didn't have a site that covered entertainment, and now they have New York Media's Vulture. But there is a bit of minimal overlap because New York Media has a food publication in Grub Street and Vox Media owns Eater. But then, Grub Street only covers restaurants in New York City whereas NYC is only one of Eater's 24 markets. So it still works. So now this leads us to how Vox Media makes money. One way of course is through banner ads and sponsored content native content that seamlessly blend into many of Vox Media's publications. But as I've explained in the BuzzFeed episode, which I recommend you check out, media companies are trying to become less reliant on revenues from ads and sponsored content. And this is why Vox Media scored big when they picked up The Strategist from the New York Media Acquisition. The Strategist is a site that does product reviews, shares the best deals, and lots of gift guides. And sites like The Strategist are incredibly valuable to media brands right now because of declining ad revenue. In our BuzzFeed episode, I explained how media brands are trying their best to build other sources of revenue, and one of the most profitable areas are in e-commerce sales and affiliate commissions. And that's why the New York Times, a acquired the Wirecutter, and why BuzzFeed launched BuzzFeed Reviews. These companies are earning a lot from affiliate commissions via these recommendation sites. And Vox Media finally got their hands on one in The Strategist. Now let's move on to another revenue stream that Vox Media is hoping to transition to, paid subscriptions. If you've noticed, several publications have put up paywalls, most notably The New York Times, Bloomberg, and The Wall Street Journal. So why are they doing this? Well, that's because paywalls are huge revenue streams. And when a publication earns more money, they get to pay for top journalists. Having top journalists on board means they get to create more high-quality content. More high-quality content draws in more readers, and more readers mean more money. And the beautiful cycle continues. But here's the thing, the paywall model, it doesn't work for everyone. Why? Obviously, people won't pay for something that's not worth paying for, especially when there are better alternatives. New York Media has a paywall that gave a subscriber access to all their other verticals. Get a $5 subscription and you get full access to New York Mag, The Cut, Grub Street, and Vulture. But the thing is, if you like only one of those brands, then $5 per month may not feel worth it. Same way, paying for a Netflix subscription may not feel worth it if you only like one specific show. Now compare that to paying for a Disney Plus subscription where you get all the Marvel movies and shows, Pixar films, National Geographic, Star Wars, ESPN Plus, and Hulu. Imagine getting all that for the price you'd pay for a Netflix subscription. The pitch is just so much stronger. And that's what Vox Media is trying to do. The more high-quality publications they have on their portfolio, the easier it will be to convince readers to pay for a subscription. More bang for the buck. And that's the race that these big digital media conglomerates are in right now. Vox Media, Vice Media, and BuzzFeed are all trying to build their portfolios for this. But Vox Media has something up their sleeve that the others don't. They have Concert, which is a digital ad marketplace. 
and they also own Chorus, which is Vox Media's own content management system. In 2018, they started to license Chorus to other publications, starting with the Chicago Sun-Times. And Vox Media plans to license Chorus to other publications in the 6 and 7 figure range, depending on their needs. So yeah, this will be a great revenue stream for Vox Media considering that it can scale. Vox Media's website does report that both Chorus and Clay, which is New York Media CMS, powers over 500 websites, which is pretty good. Well, hopefully, these new revenue streams work out well for Vox Media. Today, Vox Media's reach is around 800 million people across all their websites, podcasts, and social platforms. That's a pretty wide reach, and no doubt about the fact that their influence is huge, so I hope they continue using that for the better. And so that's about it guys, now you know about the origin story of Vox Media and how big the company actually is. If you prefer the video version of this episode, you can watch it on our YouTube channel and on our Facebook page. And if you enjoy this show, it would mean a lot if you can tell your friends about Brand Origins. We're also on Twitter, so you can say hi to us there as well. My name is Chris, I'll catch you again next time for another episode of Brand Origins.